a new season, a new time, and a new year. Father, we honor you. We worship you. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this week as we seek you, Father. We draw closer. We draw near. Father, I thank you for, uh, Lord, that you're launching us in 2016. And Father, as we seek, we're climbing to a whole new level, Father. We honor you and we love you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Well, it's great to uh, be here this morning. You know, just really seeking the Lord. I really wanted to share about pushing through. And I guess as we're heading into the week of seek, you could say that's pushing through, pushing through to new levels. And, you know, what can be hard is when you've been going along for a season and things are not happening. Come on, things are not getting better. You're tired of fighting. You're tired of setbacks, disappointments. And and you're kind of thinking to yourself, why doesn't God just fix it? And who's ever thought like that? You pray, and the Word of God says, I pray, I believe. Then why doesn't God just fix it? It's logical, isn't it? It's like, that's what He says. And you can decree that, you can believe that, and you can say, God, why don't you just fix it? But really, when you look at that, it's reducing God to what I describe as a genie God. We rub Him three times, and He grants our wishes. And really would not teach us anything. Come on. It doesn't teach us uh, stability. It doesn't teach us to push through. It doesn't put a strength in you. It keeps you at that same level. But beyond that, God has a bigger plan. Come on. He has a bigger plan for your life. He has a bigger plan for your family. He has a bigger plan for our nation. And it's us being able to, you can't actually see that when you are where you are. Come on, when you're in the hard times, when you're in the disappointment, you know, I'm reminded even of Martha. She says to Jesus, she said, if you'd just been here, Come on, if you've just been here, she's thinking, they and the disciples, they all just wanted Jesus to fix it. And really, when you look at that scripture, Jesus could have just fixed it. He could have turned up on time. He heard about it. He got the news when Jesus, uh, when Lazarus was still alive. He could have just gone there. But see, he knew there was a timing in God. He knew there was a bigger plan. And so he wasn't just going to go and fix it. Because when you think about it, if Lazarus had just got healed from his sickness, most of the people would put it down to, oh, well, he just got better. Come on. The, the virus went away. He got better. Or maybe the doctor had been to see him and, and the antibodies kicked. Well, not that antibodies back then. But anyway, whatever. No, they didn't. Okay, whatever. So they're really, you know, people tend to do that. It's like when it doesn't get fixed or when it does, you know, it comes along, you get a healing, you put it down to all other things. But see, God had a bigger plan for Lazarus. Come on. He had a bigger plan. And out of that, what happened is that the whole place around there, there was such an incredible testimony. Come on. And then when when Lazarus come forth, nobody could deny that it was a miracle. Come on. No one could put it down to, well, that was just a bit of this or a bit of that. They knew that it was the mighty hand of God. Come on. They knew he stunk. Come on. And a lot of us, our situations stink. Come on. Your situation stinks. If it doesn't stink, maybe it's got to stay dead for a little longer. (laughs) Come on. Until it's stinking. You know, say, well, it really stinks. Well, if it really stinks, come on, get ready. I, I know for, as my own walk as a Christian, some of the hardest things in the early days is understanding why hasn't God come through? 
come. Why doesn't he just fix it? Why doesn't, see, in hindsight and maturity and walking with the Lord longer and seeing the hand of God, I understand why he doesn't just fix it. Just like, as I've shared many times, I remember our son, Ben, when he was younger, he used to tell me he'd been on a farm, he'd driven four-wheel bikes. And so just because he'd driven the four-wheel bikes on the farm, now he reckons he can drive a car. And he most probably could have just driven it around the street. But he's asking, Mom, can I reverse the car out of the driveway? And I'm like, no, you can't. He says, yes, I can. I can drive. I can do it because he's been driving the four-wheelers and he was on the farm driving stuff. But I knew as a parent, he's not allowed to do that. Come on. And I knew that it was against the law. I knew there was a timing for him to get his license. And at 12-year-old, it wasn't time for him to drive out of the driveway. And see, that's what it's like for us with the Lord. Sometimes we think, well, I'm big enough, I'm old enough, I can do it. But he has a timing. No, it's not the right timing. Or there's other things beyond you. Come on, there's greater things that the Lord wants to do in the turn situation. It's See, you've got to realize everything that's happening in your life is not just about you. But when we're in it, it is just about us. Come on. All we can feel is our pain. I'm dying. God, why don't you fix it? Why don't you make it better? Come on. That's all we can think about. But God say, I've got a bigger plan. Come on. I've got it. And when you've walked through it, you understand the bigger plan. You see the bigger picture. You know, I love this. Is, and I've shared this of what I felt the Lord is saying for this year. In Exodus 6 verse 5, it says this. And I've also heard the groaning of the forever house children. <laughs> Come on. So one thing we know is God hears your groaning. Come on. The Lord says, you know, when we seek him, we'll find him. When we pray, he hears. That's what it says through the word of God. When we pray, he hears. Just because you don't see a result doesn't mean God hasn't heard you. See, it's simple. You've got to settle in your heart that the word of God says, when I pray, he hears. Full stop. No correspondence entered into. If you go before the Lord, if my people will humble themselves and pray, I hear. Come on, he hears, he heals, he does. But it's not always in our timing or our way. So you just have to get settled in your heart. If I seek him this week, if I, no matter if someone at Forever House comes and speaks, oh, I've had the most amazing weeks and I encountered God, I went to the throne room and oh, I've got this breakthrough. <laughs> and there's you. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing's happening. Nothing's, everything's still the same. You've been seeking God. You've given up social media. You've done whatever you've had to do and nothing's changed. You know, the interesting thing is that we'd be a lot more happier if we didn't judge our breakthroughs and what we get dependent on what other people get. Come on, if you judge what other people get, see, it's like believing God. You believe in God for your electricity bill to pay to be paid. Now that week, this week coming, that's the most important thing for you. Because if you don't pay your electricity bill, you have no light, you have no warm showers, you have no cooking facilities, nothing. So you believe in God, I need my electricity bill paid. And the Lord comes through and he pays it. And you're like, yippee, wonderful. God paid my bill. And then on Sunday, so-and-so stands up and God gave me a new car this week. And gives a testimony about their new car. All of a sudden now you're so disappointed. 
You're so discouraged. I need a new car. Hey, I come to church more than them. I serve more than them. They never serve. They just talk about people. They, come on. And now you're judging your breakthrough on somebody. See, it was the highlight of your week. God answered your prayer. He answered your cry. But now because of, see, if you never knew what anybody else got, you'd be happy. When we make our our happiness and what we have uh, dependent and compared what other people have and what other people have got. You know, when we get to heaven, it's not going to be about that. Because we know some of the greatest seemingly that have done the greatest, had the highest, had the most favor on earth. You've got the person who faithfully cleans the toilet every week above that person. Because it's that, see, God doesn't have that scale. Come on. And so you've got to understand, the Lord says, when you seek him, when you pray, he hears. So this week, it doesn't matter if you see nothing, feel nothing. You've got to determine your heart that when I seek the Lord, when I pray, he hears. Settled, done. Done. Come on. He hears you. He says it. He says, I've heard the groanings. And he says, verse 6, Therefore say to the children of Israel, this is interesting, I am the Lord. So it's number one when you've got in your heart, he is God. He is the Lord. See, I really think sometimes we don't get that because sometimes we have God reduced to, like I said, this genie God or it's dependent on what he's given me or what he's done for me or, or how much breakthrough I've got in my life or what's happening. No, no, no. He is God no matter what. I am the Lord. Come on. I am the Lord. That's what he says. I will bring you out from under your burdens of the Egyptians. So he says, I am and I will. Number one, I am who I am. I am God and I will bring you out from your troubles. Come on, you're not going to stay. The troubles that you're experiencing today, if you continue to seek God, if you continue to humble yourself, if you continue to do what he's asked you to do, you will, come on, he will take you out of your burdens. He will take, it says, you know, I know for us financially, we struggled for so many years. Barely able to make it. Thinking so many times that we're going to go bankrupt, we're going to go under. You know what? I said to the Lord, well, if you need to bankrupt me to teach me a lesson, then go ahead and do it. That's a dumb prayer. (laughs) Come on, that's not a faith prayer. Why would he want to bankrupt me? Why would he want to do that? And it's like through everything we've done, all the debt we had, it wasn't from having big holidays or living the high life. It was from keeping the ministry going, keeping it going, doing what the Lord had asked us to do, being obedient to what he'd done, come on, and what he'd said. But for years, we never saw evidence of that. Come on, we faithfully, we've always tithed. To me, tithing is a no-brainer. If I'm telling you right now, if you want to get ahead financially, I don't care what people say. Old Testament, New Testament, if you really started out, God's a giver. He tells us to give and he put the 10% because he knew how stingy we are. He knew that if he didn't put 10%, we'd give nothing. Come on. And how could you? Regardless, law, no law, whatever it is, how could I not give God 10%? He enables me to get the 90. So why wouldn't I give him 10? Come on. In children's church, we taught our children. We lined up 10 lollipops and we say, the kids, now God's going to give you 10 lollipops. 
And all he asks for you is to give him back one of that 10. He's enabled you. Come on. He's blessed you. He's given you the 10 and he just wants one back. Can you give him one? And the kids are like, yeah, yeah, I can give him two. I can give him three. And I can give one to Freddie and I can give one to... That's why God tells us to be like little children. And I want to tell you, the times, it's like, I never, ever, because see, the Bible says, test me. That's the only thing he tells us to test him in his giving. Well, I want to tell you that we gave from the word we got saved. And then on the journey a little way along, somebody told us that no, tithing's Old Testament, you know, just blah, blah, all this stuff. So we stopped tithing for a year. I want to tell you, in one year, we ended up $20,000 worse off than when we tithed. So we thought, "Uh uh-uh, then someone with sense come along and told us. So we went back to tithing, and within three months, God wiped out the 20,000 debt. Come on, he says, test me. Test me. Yeah, it's not the way we thought. Come on, it wasn't what we thought. But to me, it's a no-brainer. We've taught our children to tithe. They're all successful. They're all doing because it's a principle of God to be a tithe. But beyond tithing, to be a giver, to have a giver. Come on, it's a no-brainer. He says, if you give, then he will come. And you've got to give, pressed down, shaken together, running up. He says he'll rebuke the devour. I can tell you, most people that I look at, that the devourers not be on their life is in there taking, 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 taking financially. They do not tithe. Because God promises us that if you, if you tithe, that he rebukes the devour and he'll open the windows of heaven and he'll pour out a blessing. Now, it didn't happen instantly for us, but I can say this, that we always made it. We always had the bills got paid. We had two daughters uh, get married in the time where we had zilch. Miracles of God, because we knew the principle that he rebukes the devour. Come on. Why, if tithing's not a big deal, why is it still one of the most controversial things in the church today? Tithing and speaking in tongues are the two things. Come on, you just, you got to, God says he will, he will. And I know for us, it kept just decreeing, God, you will, you said, you will, you will. And he brings you to that place. And then he says this, I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great judgment. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know I am, come on, I am the Lord. I am your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptian. Come on, it's all about I am and I will and I am. He wants you all that you're going through, everything that's happening. He wants you to get an understanding that he is God. Come on, he is God. He he is the great almighty. He is the I am. There is nothing that compares to him. There is nothing. Come on. And that he will rescue you. He will bring you out. He will bless you. He will restore your family. He will restore you. Whatever your burden is. Come on. He says it. He goes on. I am. Number one, he establishes who he is. And he keeps telling us that he will rescue us. He will bring us out from our burdens. Come on. And then he says, so you will know that I am. See, it's for your benefit. So the quicker you get it, the quicker you just say, okay, God, I trust you. You are God. You said you will. And that's it. Easier said than done. But anyway, come on. I believe that this year, 2016, the emphasis is I am and I will. 
Come on, I am, then I will. He is God. Come on, and he will. Come on, it's about knowing even greater that he will do it for you. Come on, not your government, not your charisma, not your boss. Come on, not anybody else. He will do it. He will do it. See, if somebody else does it for you, you've got to keep relying on somebody else to keep doing it. But when God does it, when you take ground, when you own something, it becomes yours. See, I believe that there's never going backwards in God. When you ta- if you're walking in his statues, come on, if you're not walking in sin and you're doing what he's asked you to do, what can seemingly look like an, a setback in the natural. But I've always believed we go to higher ground. Come on. We go to higher levels. When we, when we shifted, every time we had to shift house, I believe we'd get a better house. Because we've owned that ground. Come on, we've fought for that ground. Every time we used to always drive bombs that broke down, continue. We were just laughing about that this morning. We, we saw the original first car we had, the Sunbird. Anybody heard of the Sunbird? That was the worst car. We, we haven't seen one since. And I said to Greg, that's because they all be gone now. They broke down. <laughs> this must be the one and only sunbird that's made it past five years. Terrible cars, break down, spend money on continually. But come on, we sowed cars. We didn't sow that one. <laughs> we, go, we gave cars. Yeah, we sowed it to the ground. We gave cars. We sowed cars. Come on, we've given cars away. And every time we believe God, we would go to a higher level in, in what we have because that's how God is. When you take ground, when you own it, we've owned brand new cars. I don't believe I'll ever go back. Because that's what we call, we've sown, we've given, we've taken, we own that ground now. There's ground that you own. We've, we own a good marriage. We'll never go backwards. Our marriage will just keep getting enriched and better and better. Come on, because we've taken that ground. But we had to fight for that ground. Come on, you've got to push through. You've got to have strength. You've got to keep going. And no matter what, you know, someone just got to slap yourself and say, hang on a minute. God says he will and he is. Come on, he is. He will and he is. I am and I will. Come on, that's God. I am and I will. And if I pray and if I ask, he will come through. Maybe not on my time, but on his time. See, just like Martha and all them, they wanted him to come now. But I'm sure after Lazarus was risen from the dead, they're very happy that he didn't come when they wanted him to. And I can see back over our own life. If God had come and done what he was going to do when I wanted it, there wouldn't be the testimony. There wouldn't be the fruit. Come on, there wouldn't be that stability and rock solidness. And now it's multiplied. We can impart that to other people. We can help other people when they're struggling in their marriage, when they're struggling financially. See, when someone's struggling financially, we've just had a, a business couple who struggled financially. It's been five years trying to break through in the business. We've been able to stand with them the five years, believe them, tell them because we've been through it. And God came through. Come on, when you do what He's asked you to do, He comes through. Mark 5 24, this is the woman with the issue of blood. It says this So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And the woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Come on, here's one of those why. (laughs) 
Why didn't she get better? And it says, when she heard about Jesus, she come from behind him in the crowd. Come on. She had to push through. She had to push through her thoughts. She had to push through her belief. She had to push through her fear. She had to push through the doctor's report. Come on. She had to push through who she was. See, she wasn't supposed to be in the city because she had an issue of blood. Come on. There were so many things that she had to push through, that she had to put aside. But see, she had a belief. She believed that Jesus was a healer. If I can just touch his cloak. You know, there's nothing written about if you touch his cloak that you'll be healed. But she just had that inside her. He is the healer. And see, that's what we've got to get inside. He is the healer. He is, like I said, he is, I am. That's what he says. I am. I love it when Moses, God gives him the command and he says to him, Moses says, well, who shall I say has sent me? What's your name? Who shall I say? And God answers, I am who I am. And I love that, that God is so cool, he calls himself I am. I mean, today we think that's someone who's pretty prideful. I am. I just am. I am everything. Come on. God didn't call himself, I could be, should be, want to be, going to be. He is. Come on, he is. He's not a, a should be, would be, could be, want a God. He's not a maybe healer. He's not a maybe deliverer. He's not a maybe this or maybe that. He is. Come on, he says. And that's what he establishes with the Israelites. Come on, he tells them, I'm going to rescue you. But the first thing he says, I am God. Come on. And see, that's what he wants you to get inside you, that he is the deliverer, that he is the healer, that he is everything. Come on, he is your provider. He is, there's no one else other than him because he wants to get that inside you so that no matter what you face, your default system will always go back to he is God. He heard me last time and he'll hear me this time. And verse 29 says, immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Come on, immediately. Boy, it'd be good if it was like that. But you know what? She tried everything else. She'd spent all her livelihood. It's kind of a bit sad in a way because she spent all her money. She's had years of sickness. She could have had money and been well if she just trusted Jesus first. Come on, but it's when she had nothing else, but she had to push through. You know, I know Dominion this year, last year. We're already in a new year, aren't we? Greg got so sick. I mean, he never gets sick, but he was so sick that he couldn't get out of bed. He couldn't do anything. We went to the doctors after Dominion had finished here. We went to the doctors on the Monday, and he said, you've got influenza. Now, we thought... Cold and flu you get. You, you know when you've had the flu. Come on, there is a difference between a cold and the flu. We realise this with Greg. We know now. A cold, you'll feel miserable. You might cough and stuff. When you get influenza, you'll feel like you're hit by a truck. You can't get out of bed. You can't function. You can't do anything. It was man influenza too. So it was even worse. So what happened was... He's laying in bed and he cannot get out of bed. To get to the doctors, it's like uh, we had to, two of us to get him down. It took all his strength just to get downstairs. I had to drop him at the front door of the doctors, walk him in, sit him. Now, this is Greg. Sit him down. I mean, he's strong, he's healthy, he's fit. 
and, the, and we told the doctor, this is Monday, that we're flying Tuesday to do a conference. And he just laughed at us. He said, he's not going anywhere. He won't be doing anything. I said, but yes, I believe in a miracle working God. <laughs> Come on. I believe in a miracle working God. Now we know what he's got. He gave us some flu tablet and we prayed and we believed. And the Lord kept telling me, he kept bringing those words back to me in Philippians 2, 9 that says, there is no name higher than the name of Jesus. Come on, flu is not high. Influenza isn't higher than the name of Jesus. So I just kept decreeing over it. There is no name higher than the name of Jesus. He has to go. He's got to be at this conference. Come on, there is no other name. There is no other name. I kept decreeing it, kept believing, kept going up there. And then by 7 o'clock that night, he was sitting up in bed. He hadn't even been sitting up at all over the few days. He was sitting up. And by Tuesday morning, he got up, got dressed, got on the plane and went to conference. Because we had to push through that. We had to decree. There is no Philippians 2.9. Come on. He gave Jesus the name above all names. No matter what you're facing, there is no name higher than the name of Jesus. Come on. He gave him the name above all names. Above all names. Above poverty. Above sickness. Above your marriage problems. Above your family problems. Above your addictions. Above whatever it is. There is no name high. And you know what? You just got to keep believing it. You just got to keep saying it. And it's hard when you're in the thick of it. When you, you don't see God turning up. Come on, it would have been hard for Martha and them. He's getting sicker by the minute, sicker and sicker and sicker, and then he dies. He's dead. But you know what? That didn't matter to God. <laughs> didn't matter that he was dead. He was still able to raise him from the dead. You might have dreams. You might think your marriage is dead. You might think parts of your family are dead. You might think things are dead. But come on, one word from God, actually three words, Lazarus come forth. Come on, three words, Lazarus come forth from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Just keep speaking over it. Come on, keep speaking to whatever it is. And know in the early years of our marriage, we've been married 35 years now, 36, a lot of years. Anyway, 34, 35 this year. And the first 10 were like hell on earth. For me, anyway. Greg reckons it wasn't that bad. He reckoned it was all right. But, but men live in another world anyway, so... <laughs> totally oblivious to what's going on. As long as they've got their food and they're pretty happy, well, the world's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what men think. But God made us women different. <laughs> and if it's not okay, then it's not okay. I love that our son got it. He'd been married two years and Apostle Leon was over here and he hadn't seen Ben since he got married. And he says, so Ben, because he's known Ben since he was five, how's married life? How you going? And Ben says, well, I learned something. Happy wife, happy life. And I'm like, wow, that's my boy. He, he, he's only been married two years. It took his father ten. <laughs> Come on, that's a generational blessing. Come on, generational blessing. <laughs> he got it. <laughs> Come on. But somebody's got to break through. And I know through those years I could have given up hundreds of times, sometimes in one day. Hundreds of times. 
depending on the day. Totally oblivious. He's never going to change. He just doesn't get it. feel like I'm just, it's a brick wall. Just continual. That's how I felt. But then it was like, okay, Lord, you said that if I pray, if I believe you, come on, you hear my cries. You see what I'm going through. You see, I mean, I had to make some adjustments as well. It wasn't all just Greg. But it's not till you fall before the Lord. Come on, and ask him, Lord, show me, help me. I just would pray, Lord, give me the love that I'm supposed to have. Because at that time, I felt I had no love in my heart whatsoever. And I pray, God, give me the love that I'm supposed to have every day. Well, praise God that I stuck in there, that we both stuck in it, that we were. Because now the other 25 years have been all benefit plus benefit plus benefit. Come on, just keeps getting better. And sometimes I look and think, man, we nearly threw it all away just because of selfish things. Not being willing to fight, not willing to break off generation, being all about me instead of making it about God. God, you said that if I pray, you will heal my marriage. You said, come on, God, you can give me that love. But see, what I didn't understand right then and then was it's all about me and what I'm feeling, what I'm sensing. But God had a longer, bigger plan, come on, that now encompasses all of you. Come on, if we hadn't been together forever, house wouldn't be here. Come on, Sarah's our daughter, for those of you who don't know, come on. If we hadn't been together, she wouldn't have been born. There'd be no, come on, you've got to start to think once you're through it, you see then, you can actually see the devil's plans and purpose. of what. And I think about all the things that wouldn't have been. If I hadn't have stuck in there, if we both, not just me, both hadn't have stuck in there. But the devil knew what was at stake. Come on, but you've just got to trust when it's tough, when it's hard, when it's difficult, when you don't feel like you can see the light of day. You've just got to keep falling on your knees to God. You've got to keep praying to Him. It doesn't matter. See, the world's all about what I feel, what I get, what I'm seeing, what I'm sensing. It's not about that. You will see the result. you just got to hang on to that word that He is God. He's heard your burdens. He's heard your cries. And He will bring you out from under them so that you will know that he is God. Come on, that's what it was all about. For me, that's what it was all about so that I would know, come on, I would know that it wasn't anybody else, that it was God who brought us out. It was God that had a bigger plan for us. Come on, it was God that had the generational blessing. Come on, it was God that did everything. It wasn't, it even in the end, it wasn't me or it wasn't Greg. It was God that we humbled ourselves and we prayed. And when it got tough, we just went before God. And whether I felt anything or sensed anything, I just trust. You've heard me. Come on, you've heard me. Sometimes we become these repetitious people. I remember some of you would have heard me, the testimony. I remember when we were first preaching. Greg, at a particular time, it crossed across the Holy Spirit and wasn't the first time he'd done it. He just felt he had to the pressure of the people and did what he needed to do. And then afterwards, he just felt the, the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit just zoom in the room. And so he's home and he's on the floor repenting before God. I'm sorry, I did it again. And, and he's like, and God's like, I can't forgive you. And Greg tells the story, he says, so that's it? I, I don't have to lay here on the floor and grovel for an hour or beat myself up and God said well you can if you want <laughs> but he said I've forgiven you see that's it so that's what we understand when you pray we don't have to keep just standing there. oh come on 
when you pray, when you ask the Lord, he hears you. He is and he will. Philippians 3, verse 13, this is Paul. He says this, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended this. In other words, Paul is saying, I haven't fully got this yet. I haven't quite got it. But one thing I do know, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, it's a push. It's a push. It's a stretch. Come on, you've got to reach forward. You've got to stretch forward. It's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it. It's not easy. Sometimes you're coming against generational things. Sometimes, you, you know, it's like, you, yes, we're saved. And, and there's a lot of theory, yes, I got saved. I'm saved. I'm, I'm blood washed. That's it. Yes, your spirit's saved, but your soul isn't. Your soul's got to be, come on, your soul, there's soulish things. There's generational things that you have to get. You've got to push past all that. You've got to push through things that are order. You've got to push through bad habits. And Paul says, I forget the past. Okay, so forget yesterday. You're trying to work on something you messed up, forget yesterday. You're trying to work on your marriage and something happens and you're like, it's never, no, no, forget yesterday. It's in the past. Push forward. Come on, push, stretch. He said he hasn't quite got it, but it's a, stre- it's a stretch. Come on, you've got to reach forward. There's a high calling. You can't look back. You know, David facing one of his greatest challenges was in 1 Samuel verse 30. It says this, when David and his men reached Ziglag, they found it destroyed. He'd been out fighting, doing what the Lord had asked him to do, killing off the enemy. He gets back home and finds that his place is destroyed by fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters are taken captive. David's two wives have been captured. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him, each one in bitter spirit because of their sons and daughters. You see, David wasn't making sense. Uh, God wasn't making sense right now for David. Come on, here's a man who's doing everything right. Being obedient to the Lord, getting rid of the enemy. And while he's out doing everything good, the enemy comes in, destroys their homes and takes their wives, takes everything. You know, sometimes in life, stuff happens. Come on, things happen. It's like you're doing everything, you're everything right, you're doing what God's asked you to do, but stuff just happens. What's David's response? He wasn't in sin at this time. Come on, he was out fighting the enemy. The enemy took advantage and stole his family while he was out doing what God had asked him to do. But what does David do? Verse 8. And David inquired of the Lord. Come on, he inquired of the Lord. You know, when Greg shares it, he says that he's a good detective and he is. But he would say that for him it would be a no-brainer. You'd be able to see all the tracks from the chariots and the horses. You'd know what direction they'd gone. David's a fighter. Go, go chase them. Chase them down. Kill them. Come on, he's a warrior. That would be his natural thing. But David inquired of the Lord. 
Come on, if you need wisdom for 2016, you want to see things change in your life, inquire of God when you've got these situations coming before you. Because what we've learned in godly wisdom, sometimes we want to react this way or do this and our natural self feels to do this. But then when we inquire of the Lord, he tells us the exact opposite. He gives us a strategy. And then when we do it his way, we think, praise God, we didn't do it our way. Because it wouldn't have had the same result. It would. David inquired of the Lord and it says, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? And the Lord's reply was, Pursue them. He answered, You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. See, what our, the other thing is too, David found his strength in the Lord. He would have been weary. Come on, he's just been to battle. He's been out and sometimes that's what happens. We get battle weary. We've, we've been battling. We've been fighting. We're fighting giants. We're out there. We're doing this stuff. And then we get back home and something breaks out. And we're tired. You can get tired from fighting. You will get tired from fighting. So don't go and fight another fight unless God's caused you to fight it. Because sometimes you get in fighting mode and I'm just going to fight. David's a warrior. Come on. But he come home. He's tired. The worst thing is when you're tired in battle, when you're feeling tired, when it feels so heavy and it feels so much, that's when you need to inquire of the Lord even more. So you get the strategy because sometimes you just get in fighting mode and you're fighting each other and you're not even fighting the devil. You're fighting yourself. You're fighting other people. You've got to ask the Lord what to do. See, then what happened? David was weak. He was tired, but he found strength in the Lord. He come to the Lord. He found strength because the Lord said, go, pursue, overtake. So then he got a new strength because he knows this is what God's called me to do. I'm going to defeat this enemy because God's told me to do it. And he pursued and he covered all, recovered all. Hebrews eleven six says this, but without faith, we all know this so well. But without faith, it is impossible. So why do we think it's so strange when we have to stretch our faith, when we've got to step out in faith, when we've got to believe in faith? Why do we think it's so strange when the Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him? Impossible. For he who comes to God must believe. Here's the thing. He who comes to God must believe that he is. Come on, this is backing up Exodus. Here we are in the New Testament. When you come before God, you must believe that he is God, that he is the great I am, that he is your healer, that he is your provider, that he is the one that will come through, that he has called you to do what he's called you to do. He has called you to business. He has called you to minister. He has called you to what? See, that's what will sustain you, that when you're going through stuff, that you have that trust. He he is God. Come on. He is my healer. He is my deliverer. He is my provider. Come on. He is my comforter. It's the Bible. The Bible is incredible how it just keeps backing each other up through generations and times and history. No matter what, the first thing he says, come on, you must believe that he is. Step number one, 
You just have to get that in your heart. You just got to get that inside you. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, He is God. Come on. He is God. That's what you build your faith on. That's what you build on on a rock. See, when you get that, that he is God. Come on. That he is God. There is no other one higher. The government's not higher. ISIS isn't higher. Nothing is higher. He is God. He is the maker. He holds the earth in his hand. Come on. He holds our very life. He is our breath. He is our breath. Come on. He breathed life into you. He he is your life. He's the one who causes you to get up. He causes our heart to function. He is. That's the very basis. He is. Come on. So this week as you're seeking the Lord, you've got to know He is God. He is the answer to everything. And then it goes on and it says this, and that He is the rewarder. Come on, here's the double backup. He is the rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek Him. Come on, it's all there. He is and he will. Come on, he is and he will. He is God. He will reward you. He will take you out of your burdens. But it says to those who diligently seek him, not just every now and again. Okay, it might be before this week of seek, you might be an every now and againer. But this week you're going to seek God diligently. You're going to make it a lifestyle to seek Him. Come on, you're going to make it, I'm going to seek God. If you diligently seek Him. See, a lot of us don't diligently seek Him. We want to go to church on Sunday, get our quick goosebumps with a bit of worship, get a word to pump us up and feel good. And then we go through the rest of the week and forget God. Come on, He wants to build strength in you. No, I'm not talking. I hear these people come and say, oh, I pray five, six, seven hours a day. Every day I do that and I do this and all it does is put condemnation on people. Make people not feel good enough. No, no, you're here to do earthly good as well. If someone's paying five, six hours, what are you doing the rest of the day? Come on. You gotta work, you gotta do, you gotta get it. Come on. Now there's seasons where I might spend a day. Well, it's different than us because it's what we do. And spend a day a week, I'm studying, I'm seeking the Lord. But bright every day I seek the Lord. And it's not about the hours, the times. It's about getting up and have time with the Lord. I might spend 10 minutes reading my word. I might spend a half an hour just sitting there reflecting in his presence. I might have half an hour just listening. I might get lost on a train of thoughts and, and be finished and feel like I really haven't said. Sometimes I feel like I've said no. That's what it's about. It's not a structured religious thing. It's a relationship with your heavenly father come on it's a relationship and we're in relation our time isn't structured our time together our date nights are whenever we can grab them there's time sometimes we'll just be doing and then we'll have this time together they're not pinpointed in in the diary Tuesday nights this Mondays this Saturdays this come on it's not like that But we desire to be together. We have intimate time. That's what it's like with the Lord. It's not a religious because if you put that on yourself, I'm going to pray for an hour every day. You'll hate it because it'll become bored and religion. God's not like that. It's about a relationship. Sometimes it's 10, but then during the afternoon, I might be just at home cleaning, doing something, cleaning out a cupboard, and I'll have the most incredible time just praying in tongues, talking to the Lord. Come on, that's what it is. It's a lifestyle. 
but making it conscious that I want to spend time with Him. For me personally, the last thing I do at night is talk to the Lord. First thing I do up in the morning is talk. But no, it's not a religious thing. It's a relationship that I have with Him. There's times I'll just be no brain to do and then something just happens and it's like, wow, God, that's amazing and have this full-on conversation with Him. Come on, we've had lots of opposition in ministry, in finances, in, in marriage, in all sorts of things. There's times where I felt like giving up. There's times where I think I'll just go back to what I was doing, doing this. But come on, I get a hold of. He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Come on, He rewards you. He takes you out from under your burdens. He says that. I'm going to finish with this. In Luke 19, verse 3, this is Zacharias. It says, He sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. Poor guy. So he ran ahead and he climbed up a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him and he said, Zacharias, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. Come on, this is a guy that pushed beyond the natural circumstances. He was short, he could, he went beyond. This is what we have to do. We're going to push beyond the crowd. Come on, we're going to push beyond the things that crowd our life. What crowds your life? What takes up all your time. You've got to push beyond that. You've got to run ahead. Come on, you've always got to have God at the head of everything. You might have to climb a tree. Good, climb a tree if you have to. Come on, go higher. To go higher, you've got to climb something. Climbing's not easy. Come on, if you want to go to a higher level, climbing's not easy, but you've got to go higher. Come on, you've got to climb higher to pursue the presence of God. It's worth it. Come on. It's worth it to seek God. It's worth it to go further. Nothing compares to the presence of God. And Romans 4.19 sums this up. This is Abraham. They're talking about Abraham. And not being weak in his faith. Come on. We've got to stop being weak in our faith. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, and many of you heard me preach this, this guy's got a double whammy. God's told him that the nations are going to come from you. He's a hundred. And it's not like he's got a 20-year-old fertile wife. He's got an old wife too, who's past her conceiving time. But her womb, it says her womb's as good as dead. This is a Lazarus situation. It says this, He did not waver at the promise of God. He knew who God was. That's why he never wavered at the promise of God. See, when you get it that he is God, he is my deliverer, he is the great I am, you will not waver. Come on, no matter what. Yes, I'm sick. I might be getting sicker. My marriage mightn't feel like it's getting better, but God is my deliverer. Come on, when you get that... Yes, this looks impossible. I'm 100, her womb's dead. She's 199, whatever she was. But he did not waver at the promise. Come on. Through unbelief. See, wavering at the promise is unbelief. Bottom line, it's unbelief. You don't really believe that God is who he is. Ouch, it's a pretty hard one. But come on, that's what it is. When you waver, 
You're not believing that God is God. You're not believing that He will come through. It mightn't be how you think, but He will come through. He's the rewarder of those who seek Him. But it says this, but was strengthened in His faith. He was strengthened in His faith. See, when you seek God, you will be strengthened. When you come to prayer meetings, you'll be strengthened. When you come to church, you're strengthened. Come on. When you seek God, you get strengthened. Giving glory to God. And I love this. There's two different words. One says, and being fully persuaded. Mine says, and being fully convinced that what He had promised, He was also able to perform. Bottom line. What God has promised in your life, He is able to perform. I am and I will. He is and He rewards those who diligently seek Him. But come on, church, we're entering an hour where you've just got to be tough. You've got, you know what, to give up, you're not going to get, nothing's going to get better. It's actually going to get worse. It'll never, giving up will never get better. Going back will never get better. Why would you want to go back? I think sometimes God needs to take us and put us back where we used to be because you forget it. We get a bit of amnesia. Well, God teaches us to forget the past. Sometimes maybe we need, you know, Greg went to the cricket yesterday, the day before. He's, he's like, holy moly. They're in the section with 150 unsaved, ochre, drunk as skunk, young Aussie guys. And that's before it even started. At least 20 of them got evicted from the game. That's how bad they were. But it reminded him, that's the world. That's where he come from. That's, see, giving up wouldn't have got better. Giving up doesn't get better. Come on. God's taken you out of so much. He's given you so See, we forget that the peace we have and what we have. That's a problem. Some of us are so sheltered in our little Christian world that we forget. Now, I'm not giving you a license to go out clubbing and getting amongst all the... <laughs> That's why it's good to witness. That's why God has us to be in the world, but not of the world. Because when we see other people screwed up, messed up life, when we see stuff like what Greg saw the other day, you're reminded and you remember how awesome your life is. You remember about the peace of God. You're thankful that Jesus saved you. You're thankful with everything going on in the world that God protects you. There could be burglaries. There can be terrorism. There can be everything. But God's promise to us is Psalm 91 or 93, one of those, that He is our protector, that He surrounds us, that we live in Goshen. Come on, that we're protected. So you've got to remember and settling, no matter what you're going through, there's no going back. Going back isn't better. Once you stop believing God, you actually go backwards. I've watched people who stop coming to church. I've watched people who stop giving up the promise. I've never seen anyone get better. I've never seen anybody. Come on, after 30-something years doing what we're doing, I've never, ever seen anybody give up on God or give up on their promises that it's ever got better. In actual fact, every single one of them has got worse. 
not together anymore. Kids are a mess, life's a mess, families are, had good businesses, now have no businesses. Come on, the list goes on and on. But what I have watched is people that hang on to God, that know that He is who He is. Come on, and stand and believe. What I've watched is them go from strength. Yes, there's struggles, there's difficulties. They feel like giving up. They've gone, but I see them grow from strength to strength. Come on, and then I see the, the longer effect. Come on, the multiple effect. Then on the generation, on the children's children, that's what it's about. You're making progress, but you've got to believe that He is and He will. Come on, He will deliver you. You've got to push through. Let's stand this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Just close your eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we come before you today. Lord, we ask forgiveness for our unbelief. Lord, we ask forgiveness for even times when we've wanted to give up, we've wanted to go back. You paid the price. You died on that cross. When you died on that cross, you took everything. You took everything. And Father, your word says that you are God and you will come through. And that when we pray, you hear. And Father, that you heal our land. And Lord, I thank you this week as we as a church push to go further, as we seek you, as we push things aside. Lord, we're just going to do it. No matter what we feel, what we sense, if we don't see a reward, if we don't, if we hear of someone else who got incredible breakthrough, Lord, it doesn't matter. You hear when I pray. And Lord, we're all on different time things. There's different timings. There's different things with people involved in our callings, our anointing, our family, or where we're at. Father, I break off every bit of comparison. I break that comparison spirit. Lord, it's that comes from the enemy. He's always compared. Right from Adam and Eve. Come on. He's tried to compare. Says that God says that if you see, you'll be like God. Come on. He's always brought in that spirit of comparison. Father, I break off that spirit of comparison right now in the name of Jesus. We are your children individually. And Lord, our lives and our plans are different to others. And the generational things are different to others. Now, Lord, I'll be happy with what you've got for me. I'm happy that that if I seek you, that it says I'll find you. And Lord, that if I ask, I shall receive. But Lord, whether I receive this week, next month, next year, it doesn't matter, Father God. I trust that when I seek you, that I will find you and that you will reward me, that diligently seek you, that you are the rewarder of those. Now, Lord, this week, I'm going to push through. I'm going to push through every one of us. Come on, we're all at different places. There's a new level of what you can push through. If you've never fasted, I'm going to push through to that. I'm going to be able to fast this time. Lord, I thank you right now that we're going to push through, that we're going to seek you. Lord, as a house, we are called to seek you. Lord, that this is the house of God, that you will be number one in this place. Now, Father, I thank you. I just feel like for some of you here, it's just put a a stillness inside of you that He is and He will. And you know what? No matter what you're facing, He is God. 
the answer to everything, and he will come through. Now give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.